In Jesus' name, Father, we want to thank you again for your loving kindness, for your desire to speak to our souls, Lord God, even on this very warm day. Lord God, but here we are. We're ready to worship you, to give you all the praise, the honor that rightfully belongs you, that which is due you. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord God, and may your revelation that we receive today, Lord God, uh, may, it go, may it go deep into our hearts and may we walk accordingly. Again, we love you and we thank you. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever seen anyone come to church and you really thought that they should come to church and, and pray and to cry? Seeing someone come to church in worship, but you thought that they should come to church and pray and cry. You've known they've gone through a terrible time, but it seems as if it doesn't bother them as they carry on life as usual. Some would look at this and say they probably need a counselor because they have not properly processed through the losing of a job or some potentially devastating illness. But instead, these dear believers in Jesus, they worship, they come to church, they worship, and they worship with great passion. Well, maybe they have realized this or not, but they have tapped into one, in, one of the greatest foundational principles of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What about you? Have you tapped into that principle? Or do you stop worshiping or stop going to church when the chips are down, when things begin to go badly? Today we hear a message about what it means to bless the Lord. And the reason we have to bless Him, especially when things are not right. So we must bless the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Let's walk through this passage. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be re revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him, 
and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 3. We must bless the Lord, but what does it mean for us to bless God? What does it mean to bless God, and, and does it mean the same as when you ask Him to bless you? Or those that you love, Lord, uh, would you bless me? Would you bless my son? Would you bless my daughter? Would you bless my wife or my father and my mother? Uh, what does it mean that when we bless God, uh, whether or not if it means the same thing when we bless those that we love? I've asked this question many times before. So saying... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is, very quickly. It is the same way of, as saying that God is worthy of praise. So in this case, when we see the word, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is the same as saying worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because think about it for one moment. When we ask God to bless us, we're asking Him to do something for us, aren't we? Amen? Uh, Lord, would you bless me with a car? Or, or God, if you can bless me by allowing me to get this job. But if we are to bless God, how can we give God anything? What can you give God other than what? Worship, praise, and honor. The Lord is worthy of praise in regards to believers. All of us being his elect to his foreknowledge, as was mentioned, we see there in verses 1 and 2, here in 1 Peter chapter 1. So while blessing the Lord is a pronouncement of praise on Him, blessing a person is a desire for God's best on their life. Uh, so those two things are different. So as we see here with Peter, here in verse 3, he seems to break out in spontaneous praise when he's thinking about the goodness He's thinking about the provisions of the Lord. We think of all that He has done for us. We can truly say in unison, worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now we know that when we read in Scripture, when it says, blessed be the God and Father, or blessed be Jesus Christ, that together we know we are saying, worthy of praise is our God. So as Peter, again, as he begins this letter, he bursts out with this praise, this blessing. But as we heard last time, why would Peter burst out in praise when he knows that there are a group of believers who are going through issues? Why would you want to worship God when you're having 
a hard time because ultimately what we want God to do for us is to alleviate the pain and suffering. Amen? You've heard me use before the illustration that when God called Peter to walk out on the water and Peter began to, to walk on the water and then immediately he began to sink in the water uh, that when Peter uh, began to ask for help for God, he didn't first say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, did he? That when Peter began to walk on the water and then he began to sink, his prayer to Jesus Christ was help. There was no time to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're in trouble, what is your prayer? Do you begin in worship? Or do you begin with, oh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You who created all things, you who are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, oh Lord, how I love you. Lord, I've loved you since the first day that you came into my life. And I just want to praise you and exalt you and lift up your name as much as I can. And then, by the way, Father, if you protect me as I walk down this street and I see those knuckleheads down there, I would really appreciate it. Now, we get right to it. So why would Peter then bring praise, especially when the emotional health of those folks here who are part of the dispersion, they are very fragile, and they have a very deep need in their life, and all they're trying to do is keep their heads above the water. So Peter, he interjects worship before he gets on with the rest of the spiritual business at hand. Did you realize that part of our spiritual maturity can sometimes be measured by our ability to worship when the pressure is on? You know, sometimes when you're going through, you really just don't feel like worshiping. Sometimes you don't have enough strength to lift your hands in the air. Uh, sometimes you, you just don't feel like going to church when you're going through. But we bless the Lord nevertheless, and we acknowledge His previous faithfulness in our life, because we never want God to have the remotest of impression that we are ungrateful. Amen? Which is why when we bless our food, one of the things that we say, oh Lord, we want to thank you, right? Thank you for the food that we have before us. In some uh, uh, traditions, uh, that they end up blessing their food after they finish eating. So they come to the table, they... They, they get their grub on, and then when they finish, they say, Lord, I thank you for the food that I just ate. And I know some people that I know, amen, some people that I know that they get to the table, they start eating right away, and they won't let anyone, they won't wait on anyone else to eat. Isn't that right? Know some people like that, right? They get to the table, they just start eating right away, and then when you come to the table and pray, they're looking up, and their mouths hanging open with food. So we thank God 
In advance, we show our appreciation for him. And here, Peter, uh, this apostle who uh, seems to be larger than life, he leads by example by encouraging others who may have been forced out of their lands or find themselves being isolated. God tells us that we need to learn how to worship him first. Amen? But what is the reason Peter blesses or worships the Lord? What is the reason uh, that he's trying to encourage the believers this way? Why should we worship the Lord and speak of his worthiness? We all know the answer. Yet we don't always consider it in worship or as a reason to worship. Some have experienced it and are reminded of it when someone has crossed the threshold from death into life. But yet we often forget about it. Why do we worship? There's another reason why we worship. We worship because, very simple, we have been born again. Can you say amen? We worship the Lord because we have what? Been born again. Let's try that one more time. We worship the Lord because we have been born again. Again, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So because of the Lord's great mercy, we are born again. What do we deserve instead of being born again? We deserve death. We deserve spiritual death. We were born with a mindset and a heart that is in opposition to God. Now, we may not feel as if we have done anything personally against him. And you may even think that you are a good person. That you've never done anything wrong to any individual. You've never said anything bad about God. But uh, your very birth signifies that you were introduced into this world in rebellion against God. We end up doing the same thing as those who came before us. We end up sinning against God. So from the moment that we were born, we were then ready uh, to experience God's gauntlet being thrown down, but instead He provided mercy to us. God is faithful, isn't He? And His mercy does what? Endures forever. Listen. All of us have been destined to an eternity without God. But the Lord had mercy on us, not giving us what we deserve. God has mercy if we care to engage with him on a plane unattainable through any other means. So appreciation for little things often get overlooked, especially when they occur over and over again. For instance, a husband can take a wife's work around the house for granted because it happens every single day. He can overlook the small things. You know, one of the thing, things that my wife does that I oftentimes overlook, I overlook how she, you know, spot cleans around the house. 
Sometimes I forget about those things until uh, I may see a corner with a, a pile of dust in it. And sometimes I want to say, Dolores, there's a pile of dust in there. Get somebody down here to clean that up. Amen? But I appreciate that. Amen? But it is also uh, possible that a wife can overlook the work that her husband does. Amen? That husband who goes to work. Or even that wife that goes to work. Right? And these small things, day by day, we have a tendency to take them for granted because they happen in small increments. But at the basic level of our spiritual condition, we must worship God for the very monumental task he has undertaken for us. We can take friends and family for granted. But for God, those thoughts of appreciation for what he has done with us, sometimes we have cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Some of you may remember when you first came to the Lord. How some of you may have come to the Lord with tears. Because you were so grateful that Jesus entered into your life. But over time we forget. Sometimes we forget. And today it may seem like a distant memory. memory that salvation but our salvation is always near and always in operation whether we worship him or not. That our salvation is always active. It's always living. So the Lord is worthy of worship. Why? Because he has saved us. He has caused us to be born again. Now, if you are not born again, you are on a collision course with death. And if you are on a collision course with death, guess who wins the game of chicken? It's not going to be you. It's going to be death. So reliance upon your physical birth, reliance upon your own uh, uh, know-how, your own intellect will not take you into eternity because it is foolish after all. It's foolish because you will still have to deal with the consequence of sin. And we know the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we also uh, have another reason to worship the Lord, not only simply because we have been born again, but we have been born again through a living hope in Jesus Christ. See that again in verse 3. Jesus is the one through whom we obtain salvation. And only God is sufficient for removing our sin. <clears throat> And he has created that way through God the Son, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus accomplished this through his resurrection from the dead as our sacrificial atonements. What great power that was at work in Jesus Christ. That was God's power at work to deliver us from the wages of sin. Jesus Christ 
Being resurrected from the dead is, is one of the characteristics which sets him apart from all others. And being God is significant as well. Can you say amen to that? There is none other in heaven or earth who has been resurrected for our sins other than Jesus Christ. Not a one, not Buddha, not Muhammad. No one has been resurrected from the dead. And being resurrected from the dead, God provides grace. He provides mercy for those who choose to believe in him. Because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we also have hope. Now, this is not the hope that wishes something that will happen, but we're really not sure it's going to happen. For instance, uh, some of you who are heading to college, you're hoping to get money for, to pay for school, right? Uh, right now, you're not sure if you'll get everything that you need, and you're trying to figure out ways how you can get the rest that you need. So, but you're hoping that you get everything that you need. It could happen, and there's a possibility that it may not happen. You're not sure, so you're hoping or you're wishing. Some of you are hoping that things go well on your job tomorrow. It could go well, it may not go well. So this is the hope of uncertainty. The hope of uncertainty says that there is no guarantee of the outcome that you're wishing for. In other words, again, it could happen or it may not happen. I know some people say that, oh, well, you need to have a more positive attitude. Right? As a matter of fact, uh, uh, some people believe that. That uh, if you have the right kind of attitude, that you're going to get everything that you wish for. But I say that is wishful thinking. So at the bottom line, what we're speaking about here, we're speaking about the difference between a living hope versus a dead hope. A living hope versus a dead hope. If what you've been waiting for happens, then you have a living hope. But if what you had been waiting for never transpires, then you have a dead hope Right? Even if you hype yourself up, well, I know I'm going to get it, I, I know I have a really good feeling about this, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, but it, if it has been predetermined that it is not going to happen, then you have a dead hope that it is a DOA, that it is dead on arrival. There was never a chance of it happening. It was gone before you received it. It was predetermined even before you asked for that answer. But a living hope in Jesus Christ is different. Amen? Living hope in Jesus Christ means that it is going to happen. Amen? Uh, when Peter uh, wrote this epistle, that when, when he spoke of the living hope in Jesus Christ, we knew that it was going to happen thousands of years ago. Can you say amen? Uh, that it was living when your grandparents were born and that people were getting saved, that that living hope was happening then, amen? That that living hope is happening today as you hear the words of this message that you also will be resurrected to the life in the life of Jesus Christ. As sure as he was resurrected, you 
will be resurrected. Why? Because we have a living hope and have no need to doubt or question whether believers will be resurrected because we will. Can you say amen? Having the living hope of being born again, this confident hope, it gives us the reason to bless the Lord or to pronounce Him worthy of our praise. Amen? So we are born again to an inheritance as well. Again, verse 4 says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So eternal life in Christ is your inheritance. What things come to mind when you think about uh, getting an inheritance from someone? Is it furniture? Is it money? Cars? Homes? Other things? What takes priority in that thinking? But all of these things eventually will become useless one way or another. Regardless of what types of things that you get or that you inherit from someone, eventually it becomes useless. Either it will rust or rot, or we may find ourselves unable to use them due to age or health. Either way, they become useless. Luke chapter 12, verse 18. Luke 12, verse 18. Jesus is speaking here. He's speaking of the wealthy man who decides to build and build and build and build forever like things are going to last forever. And Jesus says here, I pick up in verse 18. And he said, this is the man that's speaking. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That's where that phrase comes from. Eat, drink, and be merry. But verse 20, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? But being born again is different altogether. So we have already heard about our being born again as being alive and as our inheritance, but let's hear about the characteristics of this inheritance. Again, verse 4. The inheritance of eternal life has three important qualities. It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's imperishable because it does not decay. If eternal life is any good, then we must be able to use it when we need it. Even though we have entered into it from the moment we accepted Christ, its full impact will not be felt until we make it into heaven. This means that eternal life, there must not be an expiration date on it. No expiration date like that bread you bought from the store. Well, that time that you bought vegetables or fruit and you had uh, full intentions on using it soon but you forgot about it and then you finally remember it and you reach in the refrigerator to grab it to use it and, and the carrots have, uh, your, your yellow or orange carrots now are black. Right when you go to use them, 
you find that they're no good. Our born-again inheritance is not subject to the negative impact of outside forces on its existence. Once a banana is peeled and exposed to the air, the decaying process begins immediately. It's accelerated. Your inheritance is living and alive. And you never need to worry about the impact that time has on it. So your inheritance of being born again, of having eternal life, will be ready for you when you get there. Amen? He said, but I thought I was born again. Now you are. We are born again now. But we will not experience the fullness of it until we walk on the other side of this existence. Amen? See, right now, quite frankly, we think we can do everything in our own strength. As long as I eat right, as long as I exercise the way that I should and get enough rest, right, and take care of my family, that things are going to go well. But our existence will be waiting for us. It will be ready without expiration dates. Whether you walk into eternity today, tomorrow, 30 years, or 100 years from now, whatever that time is, your inheritance awaits from you that God has you in his hand and no one can snatch you out of the hand of God. Our inheritance is not only imperishable, but also it is undefiled. This means that it is pure and unstained. It's free from anything uh, causing it to be deformed or impaired. In addition, our inheritance is not only imperishable, but also undefiled, but also it is unfading. And unfading has a slight different shade of meaning than something that has an expiration date. An example would be a, a brightly colored shirt that you wore frequently. You originally bought it because of its very vivid colors. And what happens to things when you put it in the washer and in the dryer with detergent and fabric softener over and over again? Eventually, the color does what? Color fades away. In fact, I just bought a, a shirt last week, and uh, some of the qualities that it touted was that it was quick dry, pill resistant, and also fade resistant. So in other words, they were saying that you need to buy this shirt because it will keep its color. So Jesus says you need to have his salvation because it will always be ready for you. It will not fade away. Your salvation, your eternal life is fade resistance. And then your salvation is also kept in heaven for you. It is guarded or protected from anything that would prevent it from taking effect for you. It is kept by the power of God. So because you have believed, because you have faith in the Lord, it provides you with the necessary protection that God keeps it there for you. He guards it for you. 
Finally, in this we rejoice and worship for all the Lord has done for us, even though we may experience present troubles. Verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the devil wants to steal your joy. He wants you to stop worshiping God. And we know that the devil wants you to stop worshiping God because he wants you to start worshiping him. You not worshiping him. He will try to bring anything into your life that will say, I'll never ever go to church another day in my life. And those are the moments when the pressure is on. That pressure is so intense. But right in those moments when the pressure is on, you are able to become more connected with God. Why? Because you're being squeezed. Because your faith is being tested. Some of you are probably saying right now, my faith is being tested because I'm so hot. When you're being squeezed, that determines what kind of faith you have. When you squeeze grapes, you get grape what? Juice. When you squeeze lemons, you get lemon. When you squeeze or crush apples, you get apple. But when you are squeezed, what comes out of you? Hopefully it's Jesus, amen? Hopefully it's faith, amen? Hopefully is not the cursing, the bad mouthing, or the lying, but faith in Jesus Christ. When people hate you, do you demonstrate dependence upon the Lord? So your struggles test your faith, revealing whether or not it is genuine or not. But those of you who have made it through the tough times... It resulted in the praise, the glory, the honor of Jesus Christ. And for that, we can say amen. Your understanding of the Lord informs your, your worship. Verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of of your soul. You see that though you have not seen him, you still love him. You have not seen Jesus Christ, but yet you love him anyway. And though you have not seen him, you also believe in him. You don't see him presently. You have not seen him in the past. You do not see him presently, but you still believe in Jesus Christ. Paul is telling uh, the believers of the dispersion here, even though you are struggling, remember that in the past you believed him because you didn't see him. Right? You love him. And right now you don't see him, but you still believe in him immensely. And for us, this supports our reason why we should worship the Lord. Because we believe him. We believe in him. 
because we love the Lord, because He has caused us to be born again. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you.